Welcome to the Wellcast. The world has a lot to say. We're bringing a biblical perspective to those conversations. Well, welcome to the Wellcast. I am Mike Sirsoni, and I'm joined today by my wonderful co-host back here with us, Jordan Hogue. Jordan, it's been a while. Hiatus. You are on a bit of a hiatus. You boost had a, boys, you had back a baby. together. The boost boys we are back together. We both have, you know, EcoBoost trucks. We do. Called the Boost Boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back, and uh, and we're also hanging out today with uh, a guy who's been here on the Wellcast before. He might be uh, familiar to you. He's our young adults pastor here at the Well, uh, Mr. Matt Bor- Matt Matt Borg. <laughs> All the <laughs> Matt Borg. Berg. Matt words. Berg. Any Star Trek nerds out there? It's like be cyborg. Yeah. yeah, Matt Cyborg. No, Matt Berg, we are uh, glad to to have you as well. It's good to be back around the table with you boys. The mustache wonder. <sighs> yes. I try. I try. Yeah, no, I'm stoked to be here with you guys. I'm surprised you invited me back after the first so time. So are we. So yeah. honestly shocked. <laughs> I thought I was done. So thank you guys so much for, for having me. I'm stoked. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. And uh, we're just talking today. I mean, this is episode three of a, a four-part series on biblical sexuality and engaging the world. And in today's episode, we want to take the truth uh, that's been uh, talked through in the last two episodes, and, and we want to put it in, into practice. And um, Yeah, we've we, been walking through some muddy waters lately. Yeah, and so we want to put it into practice as we seek to do what Jesus calls us to, which is to love God and love people. And we want to talk about what that looks like as we engage with the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, and I think like we talked about this beforehand uh, we just want to ask anybody who's listening who, I mean, obviously, you know, we're just like three straight married men talking about this concept in this community and this topic. Um, and so just have grace with us as we like talk about this. We may say things not in the exact preferential way that people want to be referred to. We're going to say what we think is best in this moment. And so please uh, hear through anything that maybe we misspeak as far as like labeling or pronouning anything like that so that you can, you know, meet us where we're at. Yeah. And I think our wives would all tell you that we all put our foot in our mouth uh, a lot. And when it comes to our everyday life. And so if we do it here, please. Yeah. Hear the heart. I would <laughs> that say. Same yeah. grace uh, as well. But if you haven't listened to the past two episodes uh, that we did with uh, Brad and Denny, I would just encourage you uh, go back, listen to those episodes before you continue with this one. We're just gonna try and build upon uh, what was talked about in those two episodes. Yeah, and we so- don't we don't necessarily want to get deep in the weeds of theology uh, with this thing. We think there's been enough of that sort of um, biblical ideas covered. Yep. Uh, we want to get into methodology, like how does this play right. out in everyday life? Right. Yeah. So I, I think that we would all admit that there have been times in the church. Uh, where the church has done far too much damage in the world because uh, our love of truth outweighs our love for people. And, mm-hmm. and I think Jesus said the greatest commandment has uh, two parts to it, love God and love others. And, and so uh, we can't and we shouldn't abandon truth. Uh, we can't love someone without it. We talked about that on the last two episodes. We, we can't love someone without the truth. It's impossible to. Um, but we also have to be concerned with our methods. And so uh, we don't doubt that this is a, a, a hard issue for us to put into practice. It, it is for us too. I mean, it's, it's hard for us. But there are some things that we can do to make it a little easier and make, it, make 
our, our effort to be Jesus the world a little bit better. And that's what I hope we talk about in, in this episode as we get started. Yeah, and I think, too, like, as we process this, like, and to Jordan's point, I think we even talked before this, we all have processing the truth. We all kind of hold the same foundation in terms of, of where we're at in, in the theology with it, but just the processes and the discerning how the Spirit is working in each and every one of us, where, man, you might hear some different things in which, hey, as I'm discerning it and walking through it, one might disagree, and that's okay. We're just walking through this as a community uh, of people who love Jesus, who desperately want to walk with people um, and do that well in a way that is sensitive and is kind and is caring and is gentle, but as Mike said, is also holding and standing to truth. So definitely here, like we're in the midst as well of processing this and, and, and doing it in such a way that it is respectful and honorable and, and kind and gentle, yet still maintains truth. Yeah, I, I like... Um this guy named Preston Sprinkle who talks a lot about this, who's a president of uh, the Center of Faith and Sexuality. And he says, if you've met one gay or trans person or something of the like, you've met one Correct. gay or trans person, something of the like, like you, um, we cannot, we're not speaking in a way that wants to, we'll talk about a community here, but we're not speaking in a way that wants to simply just lump everyone into one specific thing. And our hope is that we're just, we are talking about universal enough truths in the way that they play out that we're not, um, you know, I would not appreciate it if just because I'm a white man, people say that I'm the exact same as every other white man, you know, yeah. like I think, um, so that's not our desire, but we will be just, you know, talking in a lot of generalities and things. So, yeah. So as we enter this topic, I, I think we have to acknowledge this is a hard topic. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. talked about that uh, in the last super time. messy. It's messy. Right. And and, and like I you think said, there's been a lot of hurt. There's been, yeah. A, a long history of hurt and, and shame and pain and, you know, things that, that we hope to actually we hope this episode is is one step in bridging the gap into that. Uh, and, and I think that the question that I, I want to start off with our discussion on is, why do you think this has been such a hard topic for the church? And why is it such an important topic for the church? Like, why why is it important that three pastors sit on this podcast and, and process together uh, this topic? The idea of uh, not just biblical sexuality, but really, how do we engage with the LGBTQ plus community? How do we do that? Why is that, why is it such an important topic for us to sit around this table and, and talk about? Yeah. I mean, as I process it, I think why it might be a hard topic or has been a hard topic for the church is an understanding that my theology is directly going to implicate somebody else. And it's this process, okay, I hold these things to be true, but am I going to go out and, and put myself in positions to be at tables with people who think, look, act, practice things differently than I do, and, and allow the love of Christ um, to be put on display. And I think in this area in particular, I think it, it makes Christians uncomfortable um, to get into those spaces. And I think it's just the process of, hey, we need to die to ourselves and be good listeners and kind-hearted and gentle. Um, and I think why it's hard is it pushes many outside of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, it pushes many who claim to be followers of Jesus who are doing so more on a, 
a cultural standpoint than actually a biblical way of Jesus discipleship standpoint of, I mean, if I hold these things to be true and I, I want to walk and live out the way Jesus did, I'm going to put myself in, in the midst of people who are mm, yeah, walking this. And that is uncomfortable and that is hard to do. It's really easy for me to know all the, the texts and the verses that speak to these things, but it is another thing to then put myself in those communities, the LGBTQ plus community, and listen and have my theology come into contact with people who desperately need Jesus and do so in a gentle and kind way, not to come in there and go, I need to be right, but this person desperately needs to experience the love of Christ. And I think it forces the believer to be uncomfortable. And we've equated uncomfortability with like I need to retreat, but actually maybe Jesus is calling us out of the boat to to fix our eyes on him, to actually see what he's doing in the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's hard because it, it rips us of culture of Christianity and actually walking in the way of Jesus to people who need to be loved. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think anytime we can we can look at at what what that way of Jesus is and and hold that as our our barometer, our, our measuring stick of of how healthy we are as a Christian. Mm. I think that's a good that's a good um, a good way to to for all of us to to reexamine our faith uh, yeah. on a on a consistent basis because culture uh, speaks into Christianity in a negative way the same way it speaks into the world. Like it, it's not always a good thing when we create a cultural uh, uh, current in any in any place. And so I I just I appreciate what you said. I, I think. We need to we need to let the the measuring stick be Jesus and how he lived, uh, not just culture. Now that doesn't mean culture is wrong in everything. Right. Now, there are a lot of c- cultural Christian things that are right, but that shouldn't be the way that we measure things. That's a good point. Yeah, I think you know part of it is a. I think if people were honest, most of the time it's we feel like we need to understand in order to love in some way. We need we feel like we should have a an understanding of why someone thinks the way they do or they act the way they do or why their identity or sexuality is so important to them. Um, But it's, I mean, this is one of those rare places where, I mean, I said earlier it was messy, but there's very few things that we would label um, as a Christian community as sin um, that end up becoming people's identity, you know? Mm. And, and sometimes, to be honest, there the ways that that typically happens are kind of culturally accepted. So, you know, those who are greedy get lots of stuff, and that's just what they want. Like, yeah, you know, it's that's harder to see, maybe. Or those who are, um, you know, hiding sin, or you know, have identity in their work, or things like that that are outside of Christ. Um, I, but I think a lot of times this becomes a back and forth conversation where people are just talking about the deepest parts of who they are, Mm. uh, wrong or right. And that makes everything emotionally charged. Mm. And so, you know, one side saying like, you're wrong about the core of who you are. One side saying you're wrong about who the core of who you are. And there's not a lot of space to listen in that mess. And so I think what Matt said being that like, we need to kind of pick up our cross and die to ourselves and listen before we speak a lot of the times. I mean, it really does kind of, you know, 
feel like a a thing that needs to be a standard in the church as we seek to say maybe I won't understand. Yeah. But I'll start from a place of listening, uh, knowing that I I don't have to compromise the truth, but I can love somebody without understanding them. Mm. And it feels like in a lot of ways when we talk about this in the church, the the conversation is over somebody's identity, right? I mean, that's what you're getting at, essentially. So the the problem that we face in the church and the reason why it's such a hard conversation for us is that it feels like we're fighting against someone else's identity. And, and yet for someone who's a part of the LGBTQ plus community, my heart would be to express that's not our desire. Like as, as Christians, it's not our desire to fight against something that is your identity. I think, mm-hmm. I think what, what we have to understand is that there's a, there's a nuance, there's a massaging, there's a, a delicacy, right? A gentleness mm-hmm. that comes when, when you're trying to, explain that somebody's identity is is not tied to their sexuality, especially in a culture and a Christian culture where we actually have tied identity to sexuality for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we we have to own that. Like we've tied identity in in unhealthy circles of the the big C Christian church. Like we've right. we've tied identity to sexuality. And so then we go, well, but yours is not tied to that. And, and so I think the greater conversation that we need to have, and, and we started it a little bit with Denny, is this idea of healthy identity in the Christian church. What, is that, what does it look like to identify yourself with Christ? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why this is such a hard topic for the church to, to talk through is we're, we're going, uh, we create a, a us versus them mentality when really we should just be saying, hey, come along with us as we try to identify ourselves. Yeah, with every single one of our identities is broken. Yeah. Mm. Outside and, of Christ. Yeah. And I think like the the mission of the kingdom person is to continue to submit that to Christ. Yeah. My sexuality is broken. Yeah. Right. All of your guys' sexuality is broken. Right. Like in, you know, homosexual trans or whatever, right? Like it's that's all we're saying is we're actually all in the same boat. Yeah. And I find I, you know, just by way of confession, I find myself identifying myself with uh, things other than Christ probably more often than I identify with Christ. Like, I, I think it's a, the struggle between the flesh and the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. At least earlier on in my faith, maybe maybe not as much now, but but there was a time in my life where I would identify, man, I identified as a baseball player. I identified as Kristen's husband. I identified as a pastor. Like, those are things that, that if you ask me what makes me who I am, I would, at least maybe prior to the last few years, I would have given you a list of all these things that made me who I am. And I'm just realizing that, that the list should just be one thing. Yeah. Like I am who I am because I'm Christ's. Mm. So anyway, I, I just think that's, that's why it's a hard issue, but why it's a, why it's an important issue, man, I think for a healthy church, the topic cannot just be sexuality. Like we cannot just we we cannot just focus on sexuality. Like it can't it can't take top billing. Like it needs to be a thing, mm-hmm. but the the topic is not sexuality. It's really it's sin, right? So the topic of this conversation it, it becomes sin because that's what that's what makes this an important issue for the church. Like it because sin is at stake because we're talking about what's outside of God's design and what's in God's design according to His Word. I mean, the Bible defines sin as anything outside of God's design. 
So what God's design was in Genesis 1 and 2, we see anything outside of that. So lying, greed, uh, adultery, divorce, etc. And, and, and the problem comes when we get to the point as a church where we realize that based on a thousand, thousands of years of, of doctrine in the, in the church, of interpretation of the scriptures, that includes sexuality. Yeah, I think what you're getting at is like, we almost, I think, truly, I think we need to repent of like our, our idolization of our sexuality. Correct. And I think we often create this problem for us in the church because we're so at times hypersexual at times like, and we even talked at lunch about like um, marriage being the height of the Christian existence, mm-hmm. which that's not a biblical concept. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, uh, Paul actually says that it, uh, it lowers your ability to minister and those who will marry, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but that y- we don't, need, it, when we do that, when we put it in that place, like, you know, anything like we do that, it, 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 it none of that, it, it's all square peg round hole where we're like, we're, we're then telling them like, well, you have to fit in this mold. Right. Yeah. And we don't give any, alternative narrative for what it looks like to live in God's design, even when you are same-sex attracted, even when you are X and X thing, right? Yeah, and I want to get back to that in a, in a little bit, because I do think there's more we can talk about on that on that issue. And I think, you know, as we talk about why this is an important conversation for the church itself, like, if, if the wages of sin is death, uh, if that's what Romans 6 tells us, like, the, the wages of sin is death— then sin is serious, and the church itself feels the need to care for people by identifying sin and calling people to life as it's designed by God. And so this is an important question for the church because we can't, we can't abdicate that. Like we can't, mm-hmm. we can't just throw up our hands and go, we're not going to talk about sin. That's, right. been, that's been the solution of some, and that's not the solution, that's not the solution that I see in Scripture and so we have to go, okay, if we're not going to abdicate talking about sin, we have to figure out how we talk about sin. Like, what is the method? What is, do we, do we have this balance of truth and grace? Do we have, are we seasoned uh, as we talk about that? And, you know, Matt, I'm, I'm curious, why do you think that's such an important part of this discussion? Yeah, I think the methodology of how we address sin is one in one's life deeply matters. Um, and I think this is an area where the church can do a, a much better job. And here's what I mean by that. I think if someone in my life and I think it is the most loving thing to point out. And I, I know Denny talked about this, man, if, there's something in my life that is leading to death and destruction. The most loving thing to do is to call that out, but it's not just to call it out and then walk it away, walk away and hope I, I figure it out. It's to call it out and be patient enough to walk with me. Even if I don't believe you the first, second or 50th time you've told me, cause I'm so stuck in what I think is true, but the patience leading me to repentance, it's like, but you're going to continue to walk with that person despite and and Denny hit this I thought it was most one of his most profound points of the entire biblical sexuality weekend that he hit on the end it was his I, man if you haven't heard it go back and listen to it and he gave 10 points at the end of his message on Sunday morning and his first one 
was being a friend, mm-hmm. whether or not they come to faith in the gospel. And I think we value a friendship of like, man, if they don't come to faith in the gospel, then I'm just going to move on. Mm-hmm. But Danny's challenge of like, even if they reject you, even if they reject Christ, you're still going to choose to be a friend. Yeah. You're still going to be consistent yeah. in their life. Don't you guys think what undergirds all this is relationship? It is. A hundred percent. And that's, that is the, uh, the umbrella in which sin in that the, the hard truth needs to be expressed. It's truth in love. Right. And, um, Jesus, even reading John one this past week of like, he is the perfect personification of grace and truth. He's going to reveal the areas that are robbing us of abundant life, but still walk with us and put where abundant life is found on display Yeah, in him. And I think if we're not careful, we turn this, uh, the LGBTQ plus community into people who say, Hey, this is sin, figure it out. And then when you figured it out, come back, which is completely against the way of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, Hey, let's figure this out together and come in alignment with what Jesus says is the abundant life. And I'm going to walk with you every step of the way because I want to experience that abundant life too. Mm -hmm. And these are things in my life that are robbing me from experiencing it. So let's lock arms together in our processing and just take one step closer towards Jesus. And so it's, it's calling out the sin. Yes, but I'm going to do so as Jordan just beautifully, beautifully put in the context of relationship and love and togetherness and unity. Um, yeah. And what yeah. other context do we as like conservative evangelicals say you have to like fix this thing before you encounter Jesus? Yeah. Right. We just don't. Mm-hmm. And that's works-based salvation. And so I, I think sometimes we get mixed up yeah. in the way we think that people need to kind of walk away from that. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's a good segue because I, I think I want to, you know, we painted a picture of why it's so hard for the church. And I don't, I don't, I would think we'd be remiss if we don't share some of our experiences with uh, people who are a part of the LGBTQ yeah. plus community. I mean, we all have relationships. We don't pretend to speak for them. Uh, yeah. You know, that's not our intention here. We, we recognize, you know, as Jordan mentioned, none of us are a part of that community, but but well, and Mike, can I say one thing? Yeah, of course. I think um, for anybody who may be listening from that community, I think uh, from the LGBTQ plus community, I think uh, I have this friend who's always like right intention, wrong move. Mm-hmm. He always like does things that are you're like, why the heck did you do that? And you get to the motivation, you're like, oh, you're <laughs> great guy. Yeah. Um, it's often sometimes really hard for people in that community to understand that like. Truly, when your friend is a Christian and believes that, like this, they are they are talking to you about this thing, um, that they're being loving. Yeah. Mm. And so, just hear me that like, uh, some people may do that in the wrong way, uh, but I I think I've appreciated people's patience with me as I process yeah. with my friends who are part of that community. Yeah. Um, but know that like there, I'm sure there are people who think that they're loving you when they do this and sure. the right intention is there, yeah. even if there's the wrong move. So yeah. just have a little bit of grace for your Christian friends sometimes too. No, that's good. That's good. And, and, you know, as we, we talk about, you know, we, like I said, we talked about the, the church, but I want to, I want to ask the question, why do you think this is a hard topic for, you know, based on your relationships and yeah. obviously not your own opinions, 
Uh, <laughs> what are what are some things you think make this a hard topic for the LGBTQ plus community? Like we're we're it's two sides of a conversation, right? And so we gotta we gotta talk about that as well. Yeah, I uh, I had a conversation with a friend who is um, uh, he is celibate and he is same sex attracted or gay, and he uh, he didn't want me to really like. Kind of, you know, blast his story or anything like that. But he gave me some permission to just speak on his perspective um, before and after Christ. Yeah. And um, he just, um, I, I said, like, what, what would you hope, like, the people of the well in my sort of seat would hear from you in this? And the first thing he said was, um, like, we're, re- we're probably as freaked out by this conversation as you are <laughs> because mm. and that's because there's so much hurt even the people like in there like people talk about like you know societal hurt or you know trauma mm. shared trauma it, it is possible psychologically even if a person has not been directly hurt by the church that they have shared trauma from stories that their friends have shared. If it hasn't happened yet, it will happen in the future. Yeah, and that, like, you know, I'm walking into dangerous conversations with dangerous people based on the things I've heard or experienced. Mm -hmm. That these people, and like we already said, like, the church has not handled this well. Yeah. And we have not loved people or made it very clear to the world around us that these people are welcome in our space, and we we want them a part of our community and I think I hope that future generations change that, but that's been the story for a long time. Yeah. And so, the, I mean, we <laughs> we're drawing on a pretty uh, poisonous well when we ask for them to be the ones that reach out and tr- in trust, right? Yeah. So that's I mean I think I would hope that people would I, I mean here and my friend said does the gay community the LGBTQ plus community is undergirded by hurt mm-hmm. in all of this even if it's not their own personal experience. Yeah, mm. that's good. I want to get back to something you talked about, Jordan, a, a little bit, because I think it's it goes with this question. And, and I, I, I have uh, a friend who has mentioned to me that, that the idolatry of, of heterosexual marriage inside of the church paints a huge division between uh, the church and the LGBTQ plus community. Cause what we've done over time is we've, we've made an idol out of marriage. Mm-hmm. We've, we've said, this is the pinnacle of creation. Like it, it's, it's where you will find your greatest joy in life. Like it, it's where you will find the fulfillment of that abundant life that Matt was talking about. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, what we do then is we go, this is for, uh, opposite, sex attracted people and and not for same sex attracted people which I still would say I, w- I would argue that that is that's still my point of view like I, I still believe that that's in God within God's will yeah it's a good thing but yeah. when you make that the pinnacle when you make that the only way that people will find f- true joy in this in this world and then you tell them but it's not for you mm. that becomes a hard conversation to have with anybody and and the church has done that it's it's more society than than just the church but the church has played a role in that as well of going, look, this is everything. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to keep you from that. And I know, uh, that combined with, you know, Jackie Hill Perry in her book, 
uh, Gay Girl, Good God, which I recommend. It's a great story, a beautiful story of what God's done in her life. Yeah, but it, anything it, she does is yeah, I'm phenomenal. Fan. I'm there. I'm here for it. But uh, in in chapter 17, she talks about some of the ways that the church has, has gotten it wrong, and she mentions she mentions that as as one way. But the other way is is the next step from that, and I want to talk a little bit about that because not only do we say that it's the pinnacle, but we say that people. And when I say we, I mean just the the church in Correct. general. But but we say that people who are who are same sex attracted, the way that they that that they can own the the only way they can find healing from that is if they fight against that same sex attraction and actually find a, a loving monogamous opposite uh, sex opposite gender relationship that becomes marriage. And so it's it's like not only do they have to abstain in in the culture of the church, right? Yeah. Abstain from their their same sex attraction, but but now they have to fight mm-hmm. against their own personal desires and wants and want something that they don't actually want in order yeah. to be accepted in the church. And so I just want to talk about that. I mean, that's yeah. a lot. I mean, we could we could spend hours yeah. talking about that. But there's there's that stigma that I think they feel and that makes this a hard conversation for them to have. Yeah, I think singleness is usually never celebrated. Yeah. Right? And whether that be heterosexual or outside, it's this process of it. And if we're not careful, what ends up happening is within the church, we make heterosexual marriages, we communicate that as more valuable right. than someone who is not in a marriage or someone who's chosen to be celibate for life. It's like, no, no, no. And to your point, we've made the biblical and we've organized. Sometimes we can make the mistake of organizing even church life and what that looks like. Right. Of like, man, we have stuff for marriage ministry and these different pieces, which are all good things. They are. But then we're like, hey, if you really want to experience the fullness of community in the church, you need to get married. And, right? and what I don't want people to hear is that we're saying marriage is bad. That's Correct. not, that That's is not, not what, we're saying. what we're saying. But we're, we are saying what ends up happening is marriage becomes a value measure of someone's place in the church. And I think there's a beautiful, Jordan mentioned Preston Sprinkle, a phenomenal theologian on this area of LGBTQ plus. And he, in a episode 920 of Theology in the Rods, his podcast gives a message and he talks about why we need same sex attracted followers of Jesus in the church. And he makes a statement of walking through, man, someone who is same sex attracted yet chooses to submit that to the Lord every single day of their life puts on display an obedience to Jesus that is unbelievably beautiful and that I desperately need to learn from. Mm -hmm. I need them in the church. I need to know who they are and they need to be celebrated. And and, because it's a process of me, I'll never know at that length, what that is experientially like. I mean, like Jordan said, we all have to submit our sexuality daily to the Lord but in that sense where that is so personal to that yeah. individual and yet chooses daily to go, you know what? As much as this feels like it is deeply tied to my identity, as much as this is a daily struggle and battle for me, I truly believe that Jesus's way of doing life is better. And I'm going to submit that to the Lord. Golly, what better testament 
in the church, right? Yeah. Like we need that in the church and we need to, to celebrate that. Not, well, yeah, that's awesome that you're submitting that to the Lord, but the real submission is if you were to pursue <laughs> a heterosexual yeah, marriage. It's you like, kind of no. are what you end up celebrating, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. and man, that's, I, I think uh, we also need to weigh what we're asking from people. Mm. If they never end up, you know, sort of like, stop wrestling with their gender identity or their sexuality it, it is it is a suffering and it is hard mm-hmm. and i think we can't share these hard truths with people without acknowledging and walking yeah. with the fact that this is going to be a really complicated and messy role uh for them in the church and man i just i think i think we could do better yeah. at helping celebrate but then also walk with people as they do that in community, the the closest the closest thing I can think of is uh, in in the context of marriage is is having one spouse who loves the other spouse and 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 that spouse does not love the other spouse back and you're walking with them as they're as they're struggling through this broken marriage that has no has absolutely no hope of of be getting better outside of a miracle. That's mm. the same concept, right? I mean this this person who is same sex attracted. And Jackie O'Perry points it out, like they may never yeah. be attracted to people of the opposite gender. Correct. That may never be their story. It was her story. Yeah. And that's great. God did that in, in her life, but that may not be their story. And is that okay? And are we willing to walk with it? That's a great point, Jordan. I, I really appreciate you saying that because that's a really tough road to walk. And we have, to, as a church, we have to be here for it. We have to rally around this. Yeah, we have to love them and walk with them. So, Uh, can I uh, posit a parallel question? Yeah, uh, to the marriage thing. So, obviously, we need to tell different narratives on that front, and that I think has a lot to do with the homosexual conversation, with the gay conversation. Uh, Over here is also the gender conversation, and I've been thinking a lot about this in student ministries. We have what's called rapid onset gender dysphoria in the teen world right now, which is rampant in we have so many students struggling with their gender identity based on trends. Yeah. And Denny um, talked about that in his Q and a time. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to know more about that, look it up, it's everywhere online yeah. and mm-hmm. watch that Q and a, but I think, um, I've been really wrestling with the narratives and the stories we tell about gender and the offerings we give students and kids and parents and people um, because I think it's a similar parallel thing where um, we offer a very rigid view of what it means to be culturally a woman and a man. Yeah, correct. And the, the stories we tell, the examples we offer people are hyper-masculine and hyper-feminine. And um, one of the things we don't mostly do is all women are like this, all men are like this. Mm-hmm. And then when a kid comes to me and says, I am a man and I don't like football. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy, I like art. Yeah. I like to sing. I'm emotional. I'm mm-hmm. in touch with what I'm feeling. I cry often. The world has a very good answer for that. Yeah. Oh, well, you're obviously a woman a trapped woman, in, yeah. in, which I would say is very sexist, actually. Yeah. Um, and I know that's not a popular thing to say, but like, I think the world's answer is very sexist. I would love for the church to embrace the nuance that says that we use different examples, mm. different stories. We celebrate people who are not that sort of 
because if you look at what the Bible defines as a man and a woman, it's not what we culturally yeah. define as a man and a woman. Yeah. And I've worked with some incredible leaders who are men and women who don't fit on the opposite polar ends of these spectrums. Yep. My wife was a, uh, you know, they, she was called a tomboy her whole young existence. Yep. And she said to me the other day, because she loves sports, was not traditionally feminine, didn't wear a lot of makeup. She told me the other day, you know what? I'm afraid that if I grew up in this day and age, I would have been convinced I was either gay or trans. Totally. And and we see that with, you know, these even four and five-year-olds who uh, parents look at them and maybe they're a, a boy who's who's a little more feminine and and immediately their mind goes to, oh, he must be gay mm-hmm. uh, or he, you know, and or or he must be uh, or, or she must be gay because she likes mm-hmm. sports or she doesn't want to wear dresses and, and or she likes her haircut short. Like, you know, obviously those are stereotypes. Yeah. But but, but I, I see that even as as early as, you know, these kids that are getting their life shaped for them right. by their parents based on, you know, how they are. Uh, presenting themselves or yeah. what they enjoy or like to do. I've been wrestling that with parenting. Even, yeah. You yeah. Know? Like, how, what do I push my son towards? What no, do I offer totally. to him as examples of being a husband or a man? What, is, what does that look like truly, you know? Yeah. And I think my wife and I, we attended one church for, for a while, and it was so interesting as you talk about those polarities that if we're not careful in the church, we communicate of this is what it means to be a man, that you're interested in all these outward things, and if you're if you're a woman, you are interested in these outward things. I, I remember the foyer of the church, the men's ministry and the women's ministry had two opposite stands <laughs> in the foyer of the church. The men's ministry stand was a giant toolbox <laughs> with a deer head on the wall yes. and a rifle and a fishing rod. The, There's like the metal grate. That's exactly yes. what it was. It's like you were there. And then... <laughs> But then in the he built other, it. The <laughs> other <laughs> it's just only the truck bed, right? Yeah. And, but I, I kid you not, that's exactly what it was. And then on the other side of the foyer was literally a makeshift flower stand, which a bunch of pastel mm-hmm. colors. I remember looking at my wife. She's like, "I feel like if I don't like pastels and these flowery roses, and I'm not into." tea time like mm-hmm. i'm not welcome at women's mm-hmm. ministry you or, also can't be british so uh, yeah apparently <laughs> but i think if we don't again if we don't celebrate the diversity in, in the expression of being female or male if we don't celebrate the guy who's like yeah i'm i'm down for poetry and long walks on the beach and yeah I, i'm emotional and I, i'm i'm not into those things Praise God, because you teach me something way deeper about the character of God and then the beauty of God's creation, how intentional God is. Yeah. Then, man, if we were all the same, right? And same with, on the side, similar as you're talking about your wife, my wife said the same thing. It's like, man, I was a tomboy who played softball growing up. Like, if I were to go back in this day and age, I don't know... I know the world and my my school would communicate something completely different to me. Yeah. Like, they would give me a place to mm-hmm. belong, quote-unquote. Which, and obviously, I mean, we don't agree with that. Yeah. Right. But we also aren't telling the other side of the story. And yeah. we're offering a, a story that does not match the appeal and the broad acceptance of the other side of that coin. And, I mean, I would love it if my son can do anything he want he wants in life as far as, like, his hobbies and interests and all these things. Whatever, yeah, go. that's cool. Um, as long as it's within the framework of Scripture, mm-hmm. right, and that you take care of your family, 
and you lead as a man would, and you love your kids, you are patient and kind and loving, and like these character traits yeah, you that serve. we lift up. Yeah. To in what does it mean to actually be a husband, a man? It's good. And then you know, created a diversity here yeah. that says like, and I know this makes people uncomfortable, but that gender culturally as an expression is a spectrum mm-hmm. right and we have to create room for our kids or we can we will continue to shoot ourselves in the foot i think that's great man and and our hope is as we wrap up on that on that note yeah. which was great uh, our hope as we wrap up is that you uh, as our listeners that you feel more equipped to engage with the lgbtq plus community uh, with the truth of the gospel, but in a way that builds relationships and doesn't mm-hmm. tear them down. Uh, we cannot keep tearing down relationships. We have to build them. And that kindness would be the thing that you would put on display as as we do hold to bib- biblical truth. It's this mm-hmm. it's this tension that we have to manage, but we have to get it right. And we have to do a better job. And, and so uh, we're, we're glad that you've been uh, listening to us today. We're glad that you've spent this time with us. If you've been enjoying the Wellcast, we would love it if uh, you could do two things. Uh, if you could hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. And uh, if you could take the time to share it on social media, we sure would appreciate it. Uh, I know Jordan and I, we'd love to, to bring the same well-cast content that you and your friend, that you have loved uh, to your family and friends. And so uh, take time, subscribe, and, uh, and share it on social media, and we would be very, very grateful. Very thankful. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for spending this time with us. Matt, thank you for uh, joining on this episode. We'll see you on the next episode, too. <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm check excited. check Matt always. out there, and we will, uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Wellcast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Wellcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about us. For more information about The Well Community Church, visit thewellcommunity.org.